to the Agile Strategy Lab podcast, where we explore what it means to view your organization, your company, or your community through the lens of agility to create a strategy that works in a rapidly changing world. I'm Liz Nilsson, the Associate Director of the Lab at the University of North Alabama. Today's episode, produced in partnership with the Strategic Doing Institute, is number 26. The idea of story weaves itself in and out of the work that we do in Agile Strategy. What story are we telling about ourselves and our organization? To those outside the organization, but also to ourselves. What story do we want to be telling? The work of Agile Strategy in many ways sits between those two, helping us bridge what is to what could be. Stories also play an important role in communicating key truths that we want people to remember. Think of the first stories we learn. They might be fairy tales, or they might be stories of our great-great-grandparents. They teach us something about how to conduct ourselves and who we are in the world. Stories don't end in childhood, thank goodness. The appeal of a novel or a great movie usually lies in the story being told. It's part of what makes us human. We love to hear a good story, and we try to learn to tell those as well. This episode has at its heart a really good story about not a fictional character, but someone very real. It's about Edward Deming, who's revered as a management thinker who unlocked the secrets of quality by studying how manufacturing in Japan was being done. Our guest, Kathy Hagler, was presented with the opportunity to learn from Deming up close and personal. And she then took what she learned and combined it with some other tools to create an effective approach to working with nonprofit organizations. Kathy is the principal of K2OH Solutions, and she is, as you'll hear, a great storyteller. I came to um, this process of looking at organizational improvement and organizational healing through my travels with uh, Edward Dimming. At the time, I had just finished my PhD program at Claremont Graduate School and my major professor was Peter Drucker. So I got very interested in looking at how organizations improve, especially in the area of their climate, which is the area of work. When I was uh, attending the Dimming seminars, I had the opportunity one evening to have dinner with Dr. Myron Tribus, who had just be- just uh, finished his presidency at Antioch, and he invited me to have dinner with he and Dr. Dimming, and so I did. And Dr. Dimming and I started talking, and we discovered that we had a lot in common, so he invited me to travel with him. Uh, and it's one of those things that you can't say no to. And- Dr. Deming was truly a master of looking at how to improve work. I learned amazing things from him about the workplace, about continuous improvement, about quality over quantity. And what I also learned was that Dr. Deming and Dr. Drucker were both very interested in looking at how to improve the culture not just the climate or the work, but they really didn't have a handle on how to do the culture. They had the handle on how to improve the work and how to set up planning for the work and how to create better leaders, but not really how to look at the culture of the organization. So that was always a hunger of theirs. 
So uh, I'll tell you a little story about my travel with Dimming. Um, so we were, every week we traveled, not every week, I would say three weeks out of the month, we would travel to do his seminars in different cities. We would fly to places. And then on, the, on Fridays, he would teach statistics at New York University. And then we would spend the weekends at his house in DC. So um, once we were on our way to um, Kodak, and it was in the winter and a big snowstorm hit and we ended up in Atlanta and they closed the airport. So he said, uh, and I said, well, you know, Dr. Deming, and I was kind of his sidekick, you know, I was like, I was like his, I was the, in training, you know, I'm, I'm the one who did what he needed to get done. I sat on the stage with him. I helped him present, but basically it was him and I was the sidekick. So anyway, he looked at me and he said, well, it's not okay, you know, to close the airport down. And I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't really have anything to do about that. And he said, oh, what he said, basically he could, he used strategic doing. What would it look like if? So he basically said, what would it look like if you could go get a plane? And I said, but I don't know how to do that. And he said, just figure it out and go get us a plane. And so I'm like wandering around the airport and I, I go up to uh, this place and I say, you know, I need to get a plane. And they said, well, the airport's closed. And I said, no, you don't understand. I need a plane and we need to get to Kodak, which is in the triangle in you know, North and South Carolina. And I need to I need to get there tonight. And they said, well, we've also closed the runways. I said, well, we'll need to reopen the runways. What would it look like if I could get there tonight? And so they, I talked to him and explained to that he wasn't gonna take no for the answer. He, he had a vision. It's a constancy of purpose. He promised the CEO that he would be there that night. That we had 2000 people at Kodak ready to see him the next morning. So I told the people that we needed a private plane and that they needed to go find somebody to fly it. And so they, they finally figured out I wasn't gonna go away. And they said, you know, that's going to cost X amount of money. And so I went over to him and said, I need a credit card. And he said, well, I don't have a credit card. You'll have to put it on yours. And uh, so I, I looked at him and I said, well, that's a lot of money. He said, your point. So I go over and I charter a plane with my credit card. And they found a woman pilot who had just gotten her license the day before and who was really willing to do it. And so over the next two hours, they, they got a little team of men that actually took Deming and I out through the snow, put us on this little plane, wrapped us in blankets because the plane had no heat. She came on and got a map out and they gave us a hot cup of coffee and we're sitting huddled in the plane. She's looking at a map and they turned on the light so we could roll down the runway in the snow. This, the plane bounced around like crazy. So four hours late, we got to um, into the city where we were going, the Johnson City area. And um, the, the president of Kodak was there in his limousine waiting for us. It was six o'clock in the morning. By the time we got there, they took us to the hotel. We changed clothes and we went to the seminar. So, but it didn't end there. So everything is all set up. We get in the room for 2000 people. And Dr. Deming says to me, I don't like the way the chairs are arranged. And by then I'm really pretty tired. And I said, well, what would you like? And he said, 
I need the chairs close to the stage. I need to see the people. I want to, he was really worker centric. I want to see the workers. I want to talk to workers. So we rearranged all 2000 chairs and moved them up to the front. Everybody's happy, everybody, he starts teaching. About 10 o'clock, the police come in the door and they're at the back. And so I'm thinking this, this doesn't look good. So I go back to the back and I tell the police, I said, what's, what's up? And they said, we're gonna close you down because there's no fire, there's no room. It's a fire hazard because there's no room for people to get out. I said, no, you don't understand. You can't close us down because he's got his headset that he's gonna teach. What would it look like if I told these 2000 people when he's gonna do it? So I said, you gotta wait till he goes to sleep. He sleeps 20 minutes every noon hour and we can go in and rearrange the room and he'll never notice, he's 90. And so, so we did. So we rearranged the room, moved the chairs back, he never noticed and we went through our four day seminar. But I look at him and I thought, you know, this is really, it's really deciding what you wanna do, deciding what the metrics are on how you need to do it and then figuring out how to put a plan together to make it happen. And I, and he had a system and he followed the system and he didn't go away from the system. After my travels with Dr. Dimming, um, I, I, I set up a model called Organizations of Character and Organizations of Character became my model and character I defined as six things which I learned from the Josephson Institute of Ethics in Marina Del Rey. And that was actually, they defined character as a result of an Aspen meeting of what ethics looks like internationally. So organizations of character for me are organizations that are trustworthy, they're respectful of other people, they're responsible, they are fair to everyone involved, they're very caring, and they also pay attention to their community. They're community focused. So I created a wheel called Organizations of Character. And the outside of the wheel is really how work gets done, which is the climate. And the inside of the wheel is really the culture. So what I found was two things. I found that not, I had not learned yet how to best deal with the work as far as teams go. I knew how to look at continuous improvement. I knew statistical process control. I understood those pieces, but what I didn't understand was how best to have people work together. And I also didn't understand how best I could assess the culture because Dimming and Drucker both did not know how to do that. So I knew that I also needed to understand how to do that. So I, I met, um, I found strategic doing and I was, was really delightful because what I learned was they, the process of strategic doing, the four steps were really very closely mapped with Deming's 14 points. And so I created um, a matrix, if you would, on looking at how Deming's 14 points really aligned with the work of strategic doing. And so I learned how to do that. And then in the meantime, I also decided to take on the, the um, important aspect of learning how to measure the culture. And so I, I, I went through the process of human synergistics and became a certified um, assessment person in organization, organizational culture assessment. So 
the strategic doing for me, so I, I then had all the pieces. I had the pieces of how do we work with teams and how do we find the best thing to work on, the most important thing, the big easy, if you would, in strategic terminology, but also then how do I take into how do I take into consideration what the cultural needs are as well as the climate needs? Because I believe that culture and climate are, are reciprocal. I believe that culture drives the, the climate issues, but also work issues drive the culture. And so I knew that if I didn't understand the reciprocity between the two, I really would not uh, understand how to work fully with an organization and help them heal and transform. So my, um, my work with strategic doing, I realized that if we could use strategic doing in the work and then use the culture in, the, in my organization of character wheel as the assessment of the culture, that that should work. To me, it all seems to go together that the process is really used, you, you know, kind of use the work of the masters to put itself together. I, I find that it's a very... Um, what I really liked about strategic doing is that it's simple and it's, um, it's um, how do I put it? It's, um, it makes a lot of sense iteratively, it's a process. And I think the other thing that really went along with Deming is he didn't do anything that wasn't a system. He didn't do anything that wasn't a process. And so this is a clear process for people to follow. It's, it's not, well, let's try this next and let's try this next and let's try this next. No, this is what you do. And if you do that, it works. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to do that. And I think that once people learn to do that, um, they, can, they can facilitate this themselves. They just have to learn to follow the process. So not only is it like what Deming talks about in his 14 points, but it's also the way he, think, he thought. You know, it's a system, you know, and use this system of building teams like you would a, like you would a system of manufacturing product. So I learned from him about, you know, do what you say you're going to do and figure out to do it, figure out how to do it. You know, there no is not the answer. Just figure out how to do it. And once you figure out how to do it and keeping the vision in mind, keeping your constancy of purpose, knowing what you're going to do. And so to me, that's what the teams represent is staying the course, staying the course and with a group of people, with a group of people saying, we're going to get that done, you can get it done. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about what we do at the lab, check out our website at agilestrategylab.org. You can also email us through the website. Just look for the Contact Us button. If you'd like to explore strategic doing, the website is strategicdoing.net. See you next time for another great story. <music>